You are listening to the Island Christian Church of Holbrook podcast. This message is the second part of the series called Around the Table. Today's message, given on May 13th, 2018, is titled New Birth. Moms are some of the most nurturing people anywhere. That's just a fact. A woman becomes a mom through the process of birth. And, you know, we become followers of Jesus or Christians through a birth as well. That's called the new birth. We're using a metaphor of the table. This message is called in a series called Around the Table. And each one of us, I'm sure, has good memories of our table where we eat at home, right? I mean, you've had people over there. You've had joyous moments. Maybe you've shared some sad moments. There's been a lot of fun. I really look forward to every time when each one of my kids is at the table. You know, with their schedules, it doesn't always work out that way. But I really enjoy that. We have good memories around the table. Do you have that as well, too? You got good memories around the table or maybe, you know, maybe not so much. You're thinking maybe of another table, maybe a table of a parent where you grew up or something. You know, I don't know what it is, but there's something special about sharing a time and a meal together. And we've been using the table as a metaphor for what the church can and should be. There are chairs around the table. When you invite someone to your home for a meal, you prepare for them to come. You don't just be like, well, I'll invite them to come, and uh, you know, if they show up, then I'll order pizza, right? I mean, you know, maybe sometimes you have to emergency order pizza. Yesterday, we were uh, uh, painting the kitchen ceiling in our house, and I had everything all tarped and draped until about five something at night, and uh, I just like, yeah, there's no way we're going to be able to cook here because it was just too late in the kitchen. So it's like pizza to the rescue. But if we were inviting someone over the house, we wouldn't do it that way. We would prepare for them to come. We would prepare a nice meal. We would want to make sure that everything is set. And that's kind of the same thing. When you invite people to your home, you want to make a nice welcoming environment. And the church should be a nice welcoming environment to the community as well. So one of the chairs at the table is you. You are around the table. And then we said there are three other chairs around the table. We have a little picture of it there. The first chair is the chair for people who have not yet come to personal saving faith in Jesus. Those people are welcome in the church. We want to see, that, that's one of the reasons why we exist as a church. We want to see people who have not yet connected with God come in and be a part of the church. That is so awesome. If you're one of those people, I'm so glad that you're here today. You are welcome here. We're so glad you're here. And then you, the second chair is for people who have come and crossed the line of having saving faith in Jesus. That's chair number two. And the way you get from chair number one to chair number two is via a process of new birth. When you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins in his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and the fact that he is alive today, when you trust in that, you enter into a new birth. 
And that is those people that are here that are just new believers in Christ, your chair too, people. And if some of you are that, I'm so glad you're here because, you know, listen, we have a little one here. So glad he's here. And uh, that's awesome. And one day he's going to be a big one, you know. Um, Yankees fan too. Awesome. I'm, I'm happy, you know, we'll just leave that. But, uh, you know, one day we hope everyone's going to grow up and that's what happens. And so people stay in chair number two for a little while. And then eventually they move from chair number two to chair number three. And chair number three is for people who are maturing or have matured as Christians. Now you're never done. You're never fully mature. And the time will come when we meet Christ face to face, whether he comes again first or we go to see him first, whatever happens, that's when that maturing process is complete. And I always like to say when someone who is faith in Christ has passed away, I always like to say they graduated. They graduated because their time on earth is done. They've graduated, and now they are in a glorious eternity with God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So, so that if you think of the church as a table, okay, um, what is served at the table? And Jesus said, and we talked about this last week, he said, I am the bread of life. If anyone comes to me and drinks from me, he will not be thirsty. If anyone eats from me, he will never be hungry. And that is what we are talking about here. And we said the church is the table where people are fed. Okay? So I want to look at that process of getting from chair number one into chair number two today. Okay? Um, Turn to John chapter 6. This portion of John 6, uh, we read last week where Jesus said that I am the bread of life. And then this passage starting in verse 47 comes right after that. And you're going to see in this passage how you get from chair number one into chair number two. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever, what's the next word? Believes. Whoever believes has eternal life. Okay, that is the process. It is through belief and trust in Christ that we inherit eternal life. And then he clarifies this a little bit. He says once again, I am the bread of life. Okay, he he repeated himself for emphasis. And then he says something interesting from the history of the nation of Israel. He says, your father's ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. You'll remember what happened when the nation of Israel was leaving slavery in Egypt, and they came, they went through the Nile, and they were about to make a 12-day journey into the promised land, but because of disobedience and disbelief, they ended up spending 40 years going a 12-day journey. And that's when it says they were in the wilderness. And God provided food for them in the wilderness in the sense of, they called it bread from heaven. It was some kind of, um, I don't know, it's called manna. And manna actually means, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. It's something that could be consumed that day. And some people, they were told, only eat what you need for the day. Don't try to take any more. And yet, of course, what do people do? When people are told don't do something, some of them do it anyway. And so some of them took the bread, 
put it aside, and they brought it out the next day, and they tried to eat it, and it was all rancid and nasty. And then they're like, ah, you know, well, God said, just, you'll get enough. It was a miracle. It happened. It fed them for that entire time. So Jesus is referring back to that, which the people he's talking to knew what that was about. But we today might not know what that's about. That's why I wanted to explain it to you. So he says, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. So the bread that Jesus is talking about in himself when he says, I'm the bread of life, this is what he says in verse 50. He says, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Okay? So Jesus is using a reference to a miracle, but he's replacing it with a reference to himself. That if you eat, if you take of Jesus... And what that means is to trust in him. This is a spiritual analogy to a physical reality. So if you take and you essentially trust and put your trust in Jesus, you will not die eternally. Yeah, we will die in the body here, but we will live eternally in a glorious future with God. So that is what Jesus is talking about there. And so the way that you move from chair number one, to chair number two, is through a birth. Now, unfortunately, there are churches that don't teach that. In fact, a church that does not tell you how to move from chair number one to chair number two is not worth going to. And why do I say that? Well, because I went to one. I grew up in one like that. I went through all the Sunday school, I went through confirmation class, I was given all the information, or so I thought, and yet it meant nothing to me because it was just information. I was never told that I was a sinner and I could not save myself. You know, the church that I went to kind of talked about, well, you know, follow the golden rule, you know, Do unto others as you would wish them to do unto you. You know, be a good person. You know, hey, you know, you got some people who are really bad and some people who are really good. And if what you are is good outweighs the bad in you, you're going to be okay. And yet, that is not the biblical message of salvation. That's humanism. And that's what I was taught. And if I had not been my life interrupted and I had met Jesus, I would just be going down this path that would not save me. And there are many churches in name only because they do not tell you how to get from chair one to chair number two. They try to make it nicer for the chair one people. And yeah, we should make, you know, we should be welcoming people into chair one. But People need to move into chair two. People need to trust in Jesus. And if it wasn't for the fact that somebody, they they actually, this church that I went to actually brought in, this is a miracle of God. They brought in people from the outside to come one weekend and to talk about Jesus and the gospel. And a number of the people in the church, that right then and there, trusted in Jesus that weekend. And I did too. And about 10 of my friends did as well too. So, you know, here I was in this place that was not teaching the gospel that saves. 
And so if, that's, if you know somebody that's in that kind of an environment, you need to tell them the real truth of Jesus. Okay? Th these churches may even make you feel good, but ultimately they will fail you. <clears throat> so I want to read the very next verse because this actually talks about how to get from chair one to chair two. Verse 51. Verse 51 says, I, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. So he's referring once again to that miracle that happened, but he says, no, I'm the living bread. It's not the manna. I'm the living bread that came from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, he hadn't gone to the cross yet, but this was, he was talking about what he was intending and would do by going and giving his body on the cross as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. So the way, if anyone believes, and then you have to take of, or you need to receive. So you believe, and then you receive Christ. Okay, you welcome him into your life. God the Holy Spirit comes in, takes up residence, and then he lives the life through you. Okay, so the church is the table where people are fed. Now, moms... Moms, I just, I, I said I wasn't going to say this again, but I want to just honor you once again today because mothers are great at nurturing little ones. You're the best at it, okay? And people, to get, when they come into chair one and then even move into chair number two, they need nurture, okay? That's, they, they need to be nurtured. And listen, if you're a follower of Christ today, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, I want you to think back for a minute. Think back to when you first trusted in Jesus. If you're not a believer yet, just hang in there. I'm going to talk to you in a minute. But if you're a believer, I want you to talk, think about when you first trusted in Christ. Okay? You got, you got that picture in your mind? Think about what was helpful to you and what nurtured you to grow in your faith? Think about it. In fact, if you have like a couple word answer, just shout it out. I'd like to know what it is. What helped you nurture you and what helped you grow in your faith? Hmm? Time. time? It took time. Yes. Friendship. friendship. Having friendship with other people who cared about you. Yeah. What else? Wilderness. Hmm? Wilderness. Wilderness. Troubles. Yeah, sometimes, everyone, you know, if you think you're going to not have troubles, you know, re Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. But I, take heart, I have overcome the world. And when we go through troubles, that helps us nurture and grow. It hurts while we're in it. Yeah, Jane, you were... Mentored by a more mature Christian. Mentored by a more mature Christian. That's awesome. Yep, having somebody else who's further down the road. And look, that's, that's how kids learn, right? Kids learn how to do stuff by watching others. You know, I always love when you have a group of kids and the littlest one is looking at the older one, like, you know, and that's great. Anything else you think of? What helped you? Hmm? Reading the Bible. Yes, knowing, you know, God didn't leave us just to guess how to do this. Um, and, and, and I'll even tag for me, reading with somebody who was a little further along the path than me, because sometimes we read stuff and we're like, I don't understand that. And so it helps to have somebody to go to. That's part of that mentorship. Maybe one other or two others. Anything else? Yeah. 
Okay, well, just, you know, I was thinking about me, and th this is similar, this was kind of mentioned, but I said in my teen years, that's when I crossed the line and came to faith in Christ, okay, I learned by watching older Christians, sort of that mentorship thing. There were people who were further along the road than me that cared about me, and they invested in my life. Um, uh, over Christmas, I think, uh, yeah, it was Christmas, the friend that actually led me to the Lord showed up here one day, and some of you met him, and that was awesome. And he really, you know, he was an industrial arts teacher, and yet he cared about these teenagers who had come to faith in Christ. And he really just took us all over the place, um, introduced us to Phil Kagey. Any of you like music and you want Christian music, go on Spotify or Apple Play and go listen to Phil Kagey. Awesome guitars. That's all I want to say. But, uh, you know, but as, he had a great message as well. And so th this guy took us around and showed us the stuff that really mattered. Um, and so uh, that's what helped me. Now, if people at church need to hear these things regularly, whether you come for the first time or even if you're a, you know, a regular, people at church need to hear these things uh, regularly. I, I was talking with Jim during the week, and we shared some of this. And th th this is from Jim. So <laughs> he said, you, people need to hear that you are welcome here. You are welcome here. The good news of Jesus is for everyone. You're welcome here. You are. And the second thing you need to hear is nobody's perfect here. If you think you are, you just messed it up for everyone else. Okay? Nobody's perfect here. You're welcome here. Nobody's perfect here. And then the third thing is open your heart to others here. No matter what their circumstances, personality, or appearances, open your heart to others here. Because, you know, listen, we all have times where we're having a bad day or we're just, oh, I, I just got to, you know, get through the day. And yet, look for opportunities where you can open your heart to someone else. You can show a caring moment to someone else. That is so important. And so... Getting back to the idea of the table, okay? So if you have the table, we've got these chairs around the table, and everybody needs to move around the table. You need to move from chair number one, where you're not necessarily, you're just, you know, interested, or somebody dragged you, and you're like, well, let me, let me see what this is all about. And then when you cross the line of faith in Christ, you move to chair two. And then when you mature, you go into chair three. But you know what? There's another chair, that sometimes pops around the table, okay? The high chair. Now, high chairs are great, okay? Because when you're at, a, at an age where you need a high chair, it's wonderful to have it, okay? You got to have the high chair. There's no other way to feed without strapping that kid into the chair until they eat their peas, right? No, no, okay. But you need a high chair, okay? And infants start there, which is fine, but eventually they outgrow the high chair, okay? Unfortunately, some church people get stuck in the high chair, 
Okay, now look, we all have bad days, right? What was number two? Nobody's perfect here, right? Okay, sometimes I go into the high chair, but we don't want to live in the high chair, okay? We need to outgrow it. And whiners and complainers don't mature. Somebody called the high chair the eye chair. You know, when we're more concerned about I, 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 remember, what was that movie? Me, me, oh, mine, mine, mine. <laughs> What was that one? Finding Nemo, Finding Nemo right. My, okay. And when we are focused more on my needs, my wants, my desires, to the exclusion of other things, we can end up in the high chair as well. And if, we're, if we constantly are living in the high chair, we're stuck and we can't move around the table. So if you're having a bad time, yeah, go sit in the high chair for a little bit, but we got to get out of the high chair and not live in the high chair, okay? So enough with that. Jesus is the bread of life, and hungry people need him. And we must connect with them so they can connect with him. I'll say it again. We must connect with them so that they can connect with him. And so we need to find people and move them into chair number one. Jesus loves them and died for them. So my question is, will we do our part? Because the church is the table where people are fed. Now, I thought about how can somebody have an impact and an influence into people who have not yet found saving faith in Christ. I mean, there's a lot of practical things that you can do. You probably have a list of things as well that you've done, and I'd love you to share it with each other. We have a time afterwards of coffee and refreshment. You could go talk with people there. But here's a couple of practical steps that I thought of, of ways to intersect our lives with people who desperately need Jesus. And you know what? They may not even know that. Any people like have a marketing background or anything, you, 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 or you worked in a business where they're, you know, you're trying to drive sales? One of the, it's easy to sell ice cream on a hot day to a kid. You know, it's like that, that truck goes off, starts playing the music. The kids are like, ice cream! Some parents are evil. They, they tell their kids, oh, when the music goes off, that means the truck is out of ice cream. So if you hear the music, don't even bother. That's just, oh, oh yeah, boo, hiss, right? Okay. But it's easy to sell ice cream or to get ice, because we're not selling anything here, but it's easy to get ice cream to people on a hot day. But remember back in January, remember how cold it was? Right? It was brutal, Right? I mean, my heating bill was huge after that. It was brutal. But nobody's, you know, ice cream, they couldn't give ice cream away back then. Okay? And the problem is, most people who have not yet come to know Jesus, they really don't know that they need Jesus. And so it's like trying to, you know, sell, give ice cream to somebody in the middle of winter. Now, we know, if we've come to trust in him, that everyone needs Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and for salvation. So what can we do practically that might make it easier for us to intersect with people that God deeply 
loves. I thought of five things. The first one is we need to pray for people who do not yet know Jesus. We need to pray for them. Uh, in verse 44, you don't have to read it, but it's in the same passage. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. One thing that I've done numerous times, if I know that someone is later in life or approaching death, and somebody comes to me and says, oh, I'm so concerned. You know, this relative doesn't know Jesus. What I'll do is I'll say, hey, why don't we agree to pray together for 30 days? We're just going to pray that God the Father would draw this person to faith in Christ. It's uncanny how many times God has answered that prayer. Some people in the room, you know, because you saw that person come to faith, because you prayed, you prayed with others, and God drew them before they took their last breath. And they came to saving faith in Christ. So prayer is key. If, if God the Father, by a miracle, draws people to saving faith in Christ, we need to be more prayerful for people who are in the community who do not yet know Jesus. That's one practical step. <clears throat> practical step number two, go to where they are and show them that you care and spend time with people. You know, if you just stay in your house, in your job, your cubicle, where you're working on the job site, and you just don't spend time with people other than the minimum required, you know, they're, people, they're going to be like, well, this person doesn't really care about me. No, we need to show people that we care about them and spend time with them. Um, third practical step, prepare in advance to welcome and receive them. Remember, it's like the inviting people to the table but not having anything ready for dinner? No. Prepare. Get ready. And if you're ready, maybe God will give you someone that he's sending your way who desperately, he wants somebody to, to introduce them to Jesus. And maybe you're not even the person, but maybe you're a, pro, a, a part of that process. Okay. Um, practical step number four. Uh, just like moms need to deal with diapers, colic, Sleepless nights, throw up, sickness, etc. It can be messy to have young children. It is messy. And people who are not yet Christians and spiritual newborns have issues as well. And if we're reaching people, it will be messy. You need to be okay with that. I mean, you know, is, you just have to be okay with that because God is working and he's accomplishing a greater good. So sometimes things might not be just the way we hope they are. But you know what? That's okay because we're making a difference for the kingdom. And then the fifth practical step, don't over-focus on one person to the exclusion of others. Some people get so hung up on one person that they're just locked in. I hope this person comes to faith. I hope this person comes to faith. And there might be other people right around them that God wants to reach, 
And yet they're so focused on that one person that they miss the others. Let me tell you a story. When I had my business, um, we were selling a, pro audio, a product into the pro audio field, and a lot of our customers were in uh, the Hollywood Burbank, Los Angeles area, which was the film and TV production capital of the world there. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I was young at the time, and, you know, I, I kind of was like, oh, you know, I thought what we built was a really great thing. And uh, there was this one guy who we intersected with who, um, he was kind of like a self-proclaimed expert in the field. And so he would look at our system and be like, oh, that, that's really nice. But you know what it really needs to do? It really needs to do this. And if you can do that, then you're going to sell a lot of them. So we're like, wow, he's an expert. Okay, so we would put this into it. And then we would see him again at a trade show. And he would come around and be like, oh, yeah, that's really good. But you know what? If it would only do that, then you're really going to sell a lot. So we're like, okay, we got to do that. And we would come back and meet him. And I went in, I took the system into his theater, and we demoed it many times. Um, and I just was like, I told one of my partners, I said, I've got to sell one of these systems to Phil Ceretti because Phil Ceretti is just so, you know, if, if we get him in our corner, that'll just be great. And then I realized later on that Phil Ceretti was just causing a big rabbit trail for us. He never bought one of our systems. To my knowledge, he never bought anything. And yet, I was so focused on trying to win this one customer that there were other people who just were like ready to just buy this thing because they're like, hey, I heard about it. It was great. And I would be like, well, you know, somebody else take care of that. I was so focused on winning this one guy to our product, okay? And some people are that way with Christ. It, you don't shut down on someone who is resistant to the gospel, but realize that perhaps... This is not necessarily the time, and perhaps God wants you to focus on someone else who is ready to hear that Jesus is the bread of life and is ready to receive him and to take of Jesus and trust in him. So I'm not saying give up on that person, but if you're so focused on one person, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it, I, I don't know who it is. Don't forget about all the other people who need Jesus to the exclusion of focusing on the one person like I did in my business. So how can we more effectively get the bread of life to hungry people? How can we get people into chair number one? Last week, I shared a picture and I explained it. Would you put that up again? There are three circles, okay? And, and this is a way to think of this. This is like a framework to work of how do we get people into chair, number one. The first circle is the community. Yeah, there are 123,000 people who live in one of the adjoining towns that intersects with Holbrook. There's 123,000 people there. And probably most of them do not know Jesus as their Savior and are following him as their Lord. Okay, those people are chair number one people if we can intersect with them somehow. And I said, we need to do a better job at that. 
And we're going to organize the church in around these three circles, and I need a team of people to focus specifically on one of those three circles. I need some people to focus on the community, people that we just don't even know yet, and they're out there. We need people to focus on that. And if we get a team of people focusing on that, we will be so much more effective and so much stronger. It's not the pastor's job to do all that. I am supposed to equip the saints for doing the work of the ministry. And I want to do a better job at equipping us. And so we're going to meet and organize in teams. The second circle is the crowd. The hope is that when we meet people, they will come in and visit. They will come into the crowd. If you're here for the first time, I'm so glad you're here. We're so glad that you're here. And we want to make this a place where you feel like you met with God this morning and uh, you can grow in your faith wherever it is. And then the idea is hopefully people who come in in the, the crowd, we need people to focus on making a better experience for people when they're first time here. Okay, we need people to do that. And then we need people to come, and then once hopefully they'll come back and come back more regularly, and that's where they're part of the congregation. Okay, now the congregation is somebody who basically calls this and says, yeah, that's my church. Okay, they may come. I don't know. You know there, and there's more circles beyond this, just so you know. But we're just focusing on these three right now. There's a whole bunch of other things that are yet to come that we're going to unveil at some point in the future. But right now, we need to focus on these three. And so the idea with the congregation is, what can we do to make this a better experience so people can grow in their faith here? And also, by the same token, we, the arrows are going this way because that's the desired direction. But you know what? People go the other way too. And so we need to be careful. Like if we haven't seen someone for a while, okay, we need people who are nurturers who will look at and be like, you know what? I'm going to call her. I'm going to read. I'm going to have coffee with him. So that it shows that we, because we do care, but sometimes we just get busy and we're not structured and organized. So we need to look. If somebody who's in the congregation all of a sudden they're like, ooh, they haven't been here for a while. Well, you know what? We need to try to make it so that it's not easy to slip back the other way too. So my hope is that we'll have three teams of people focusing on each one of these circles. Okay? And, I, you know, quite frankly, I introduced this last week, and I was very encouraged by the conversations I had with some of you. Um, I got an awesome email from someone that's here today. I was so encouraged to hear what she came up with. That was great. I want to see what we can do. And I, that really encouraged me, but there's still more stuff to do. And um, so what I want you to do again is keep praying and ask God to direct you to one of these three circles. I hope you've done it last week. If you heard this, if you forgot, there's your reminder. If this is your first time hearing it, I would ask you to pray and say, Lord, where should I focus? Should I focus on the community, the crowd, or the congregation? Okay, and you know, so we can become a church that shares the bread of life, Jesus, with people who need him. And we can do it better if we're a little bit better organized and a little bit more intentional on how to do it.